This is Healthcare Now Radio's Trending Now. I'm your host, Jared Johnson. Join me and my guests as we discuss the latest topics that are in the news or getting social media traction in the universe of healthcare and health IT. It's a fast-paced 30 minutes, so sit back and listen as we kick off the show with what's on trend now. Today, I'm speaking with Tim Price, Chief Product Officer at Informatica. Tim, welcome to Trending Now. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Tim, remind us where you're based right now. Yeah, so I'm uh, based out of London and uh, working for Informatica for the last couple of years and Informatica. Medica's a company headquartered out of Poland, but uh, with a kind of international footprint, including uh, offices in, in the US as well. Outstanding. All right, well, let's get to know you a little bit. Can you give us a quick summary of your background and then tell us one of the best pieces of career advice you've ever received? Ah, super question. So, um, yeah, I started out my career in the world of uh, professional sports, which as a kind of sporty kid growing up was, was my dream. And it was awesome to, to actually experience working with some of my heroes. But ultimately, I, I kind of looked for a, a, a big challenge and work moved into the world of healthcare uh, via a stint at PwC as a management consultant and um, before kind of taking the plunge and and going to work for the NHS as a uh, general manager at St George's Hospital which is a kind of uh, a major trauma center and uh, teaching hospital in London and it gave me like a uh, a real education in healthcare, proper education. When you you kind of it puts things into perspective when you you see how a service like that runs, and when you actually talk to to real patients, and then we're on the the downside of things when you actually start to see when it goes wrong, and you you, you talk to patients who have made a complaint or there's a serious incident or adverse incident, it really hones you in on on how important uh, healthcare is and the people at the other end of it. So from there, I, I made the step across into the world of health tech and product and, and joined Babylon and had a, an amazing four years there with a, working with a really incredibly talented team and achieved a lot of great things, but, but also learned how hard it is to be a disruptor and, and working against the, the kind of the traditional healthcare system rather than working with them to support it. And that's, uh, I guess, how I made the leap across to Informatica. Informatica is a, uh, a pure kind of API first, AI powered medical guidance platform for healthcare organizations. So we, we support more than a hundred customers in 30 countries, 25 languages, uh, governments, payers, providers, telemedicine companies, big tech companies. So yeah, we are really kind of the Informedica inside that powers uh, a lot of the decision making behind those, those things. And yeah, and I, I guess away from work, I'm like I said, based in the UK. We've got uh, my wife and I have an 18 month old daughter, Aurelia, who's uh, a, a real joy and uh, a lot of fun to be around. And we we also have a, a miniature Schnauzer, Winnie, who's uh, causes us a, a combination of joy and hassle along the way. In terms of the advice, like I, I think I got very uh, similar advice in, in two different ways. Once, so so in the NHS, I had a very wise chief operating officer who once said, "If you want to know what the real deal is, then check out the risks. That's that's the uh, whatever the report is. That's where people put what they really think about things." And I, I got a similar piece of advice when when kind of looking for my next role after Babylon, and it was to always speak to the CTO because they'll give you the real deal. So I think uh, whether it's healthcare or health tech, like those are. That's the place to go to get the the real lowdown. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's so true. Also, <laughs> the, uh, it kind of goes across every industry. It feels like <laughs> so awesome, and I love the thought of looking for a bigger challenge and seeing what that looks like in healthcare from the disruptors side versus trying to help you know existing. Uh, provider organizations and and others who are providing care that speaks a lot to where I can see you finding a lot of rewards in your career progression. So no doubt, I mean, uh, it, it's great to see where paths paths lead people. So fantastic. 
Well, Tim, we like to start with the trending topic here, and there was a recent article in Forbes just a couple of days ago. Uh, it was titled, Addressing the Ethical Use of AI in Healthcare. Granted, this wasn't the first piece ever to talk about this topic. It's kind of omnipresent right now, but that also means there's a lot of informed and uninformed opinions about something as as big and looming as and, and groundbreaking as AI in healthcare and the ethical uses of it. What's your take on on this topic in general, the ethical use of AI in healthcare. Yeah, man, huge topic. So I feel privileged, first of all, to, to work alongside some real experts in this field. So our, our kind of team of data scientists are the ones who who uh, help me to, to decode and understand what's going on because it moves so quickly at the moment. It's It really is difficult to keep up. There's obviously been a, a huge number of eye-catching headlines, particularly in the last six months. And, and I think large language models have really triggered the age of AI to the point where everyone now has or needs to develop an AI strategy and and really consumers as well expect it as part of their experience. Regulation is definitely going to be on the way and that will help, I think, to to navigate this space. Uh, Usually, like the EU is, is tighter with its regulation and therefore that will is likely to become the kind of de facto standard and you'll start to see ISO standards and things which customers can rely on when navigating this kind of world. But for now, I think you have to be quite savvy and you have to to dig into the details around this. So on the topics of things like bias, you have to really understand what data are the models trained on, how they validated, what what proactive steps are are vendors doing to actually assess bias and, and, and mitigate it. From a reliability perspective, I think you need to be asking the questions around how reproducible event uh, the the results are. So uh, it's great if your a single round of clinical validation shows that something is is good and performing well. But if there is an element of randomness in the model, then you you need to be able to validate it many times over and in different ways to to be confident of that. And I think that plays into like the, the element of explainability as well. So having been sat on the other side of SI panels and trying to understand what's happened when something's gone wrong, the idea of not being able to explain what's gone on in a, a black, spot, black box model is, is kind of scary to me. And I think something that as a now working on the other side with technology, we, we, we really have a, a duty, I guess, to, to make sure that that works. And obviously all of the the com- complexity around security and where the data is going, it's, it's not my area of expertise, but it's something that I know is a, a huge uh, a huge topic. So it's hard in the short term. I think people need to be need to upskill and be vigilant around it. In the kind of medium term, I think we'll start to see more around private models, people tuning and training their own models and and really relying on trusted partners with kind of deep expertise in, in AI. I like that. That does resonate a lot with what this particular article focused on, which was just the the recognition that things like security of patient information, EHRs, of course, and, and communications that are related to patients' medical care, those are all increasingly critical focus points for healthcare organizations. And so the proliferation of AI just adds to that. It brings a lot of ethical questions that you're just addressing some of those things in terms of making sure you have trusted partners and understanding what those models look like, how do you combine technologies and still keep all of these things in mind and, and be reasonable with use. There's so much happening behind the scenes that it is very difficult to make all parties aware and get their buy-in all at the same time. And when we start adding game-changing technologies to this process now, like almost any form of AI in my mind, then that just adds so much more. And we just have to 
be aware of the questions that we need to be answering to be able to get to a point where it makes sense to keep going, it feels like. So it's, it's more of like, just as we go along the way, where do we focus and, and how do we not get swept downstream without covering the basics? And, and you know, that's why I feel where we're at a lot right now. So yeah, great. Let's talk about some AI tools in healthcare that are getting a lot of buzz. There are so many now. It really is every single day I'm hearing about something new. What AI tools do you feel are getting overhyped right now and which ones are being underhyped? AI isn't a new thing and there's there's a lot of great companies out there who have done a really good job of solving specific problems with specific models trained for, for those tasks. I think the really interesting development over the last six months is obviously the general capabilities of large language models and also the fact that access to them is just democratized. You don't need to be a data scientist to be able to write a prompt for a large language model. But it comes with risk, right? Because everyone can develop their own solution. And But, but how is the, the, the validation going around that? How are we going to make sure that they meet the standards that are required to be a medical device manufacturer and to, to be able to provide like software that really makes an impact for, for healthcare organizations? I think large language models, I, I truly believe that like the capability is game-changing, but I think it needs to be applied in the right way. And for example, at the moment, I, I wouldn't be using a large language model for, for reasoning-based tasks. It's been super interesting to see Hippocratic AI raise a huge uh, round on the promise of kind of future use cases. And it just shows you how how much belief there is in the tech industry, I guess, around that. But also, it's a lot of pressure to then, to then go and deliver against that. I think some of the use cases you've talked about on the show, even around uh, Epic Inbox management and classic one around prior auth uh, letters and automating note generation for clinicians is all kind of good stuff to be doing. But it, I guess I, I'm not sure how game changing that is. It's the kind of first order use cases. And I think in the, the long term, patient experience stuff is, is really exciting to me. So how, how can we actually create truly differentiated experiences on par with speaking to a clinician? But also those kind of second order use cases where if someone can use language models to unlock the data in an EHR, like the work that Truvetta are doing with a bunch of uh, health systems over in the US, that unlocks huge amounts of potential of things you could do on top of it in terms of training data sets for more predictive models, like some of the, the more specific kind of use cases within within medicine and also being able to create the kind of next generation of user experience. So creating some uh, models which are capable of performing on the level of a, of a clinician, but also able to create the interaction which is on, on par with talking to a clinician. Yeah, just uh, just a few things to do, right? There, there are so many, <laughs> so many use cases and there's so many directions to go. And I think that's, that is the new and exciting and challenging part of what's possible. You just mentioned that, like what, what's possible here by focusing on existing use cases versus future use cases. We're all at the same time building this business case, generating some momentum, getting some comfort with the technology. And that's always a, a part of the buy-in that has to happen, and not only for the investments that need to be made, but for the, the culture, uh, for the operators, for, for everyone to be able to, to use it correctly. And without feeling threatened by it, there's so much of a human element to implementing any of these technologies that, that I think is interesting and, and always part of the discussion here. And along those lines, I'm looking back at an, an article that was recently posted on the Informatica blog that was titled AI is our ally in healthcare. I love this concept. 
And I tend to agree with it. I think in a lot of cases, you know, I'm hoping uh, this is where we get to in, in short order, where we see the potential to help automate a lot of tasks, but also become game-changing in, in some certain ways. Would you be able to explain that concept and dig a little deeper for us, the title or the concept of AI being our ally in healthcare? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, so I think it's about being cautious, cautiously optimistic of the view that on the role that AI can play in improving patient experience, access to care, and healthcare as a whole, whilst looking critically at the details of what needs to happen in the near term to get there to, to make it a reality. I think... Having polarized views are great for headlines, but healthcare is about trust and safety. And ultimately, we need to play the, the long game to make sure that we, we don't blow trust with, with patients and with providers early on in the game and miss the chance really to have those kind of game changing changes overall. And the way I think that we should be perceiving this is the age of AI is here and it's similar in impact to the industrial revolution or the, the invention of the, the internet. It's a, a huge shift. Uh, that is inevitable, but we need to to work with it rather than against it. And if we can get that right, and we can kind of create the right playbooks and guides in terms of how to do that and overcome some of the key challenges like clinical validation and explainability and predictability, then I think the potential is really huge. I love that. I mean, that is talking about helping to shape those playbooks, like you're mentioning, of, of how to tackle those challenges. And that's a component we have to keep in the mix. It has to be part of what we're doing to approach everything here. That's a great example. Well, if you're just now tuning in, I'm Jared Johnson, and you're listening to Trending Now on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm speaking with Tim Price, Chief Product Officer at Informatica. Let's get right back into it, Tim. When we talk about clinically validated products, how are those types of products able to support meaningful workflows? That is a part that comes up a lot in terms of one of the value propositions of using AI. How is a clinically validated product able to support meaningful workflows that do important things like reduce physician burdens or improve clinical efficiencies or reduce costs? How does that work? It's about building on the great work that's that's already going on. So I think there's a lot of tools out there which are focused on supporting clinicians directly in their work day to day. And those are very much needed and uh, reduce the immediate burden of on uh, the amount of administration that's required or documentation. But the challenge with that is often that they they can only ever optimize the existing model incrementally. You reach a local maximum of what you can do. And without fundamentally changing the model and the way you're delivering care, you kind of you reach a limit of, of the potential. And I think about, by having clinically validated tools which you can make available directly to patients and not have a clinician in the loop, um, it creates the potential to actually change fundamentally the, the care delivery model and also the demand patterns. So one of the things we kind of learned at Informedica from the, the patients we work with is that nearly three in four patients don't actually know the right level of care that they need to access for their complaint. And what that means is either a high level of uncertainty, which leads to more queries and questions, or patients actually turning up in the wrong place at the wrong time, taking up slots which could be used by other patients who need them more, or ultimately not accessing care early enough. So I think that by creating a product which is validated to the level where you can make it directly available to patients as users, without the clinician in the loop, you can really uh, create a step change in the business model. But the big thing there is it sets a different standard for what you need to do. So MDR over the, in the EU is a, a really great benchmark to work towards and something that we are signed up to at Informedica. 
what it comes with is a kind of a built-in standard around a quality management system for developing and validating software algorithms, content, robust validation, both before release and once it's in the market, and also having that signed off and reviewed by third parties so that that you can really be sure that the work, you're not just marking your own homework, for want of a better term. So you're really talking about AI being used to help patients access care and have a better healthcare experience at the end of the day, right? I mean, if we're improving clinical workflows, we're making them more efficient and we're reducing costs, ideally, that is all leading us into this direction of helping patients access care that they need. So, I mean, is that accurate to say? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's about creating an experience for both patients and clinicians, which is is meaningfully different from what it is now, right? So it's it's great to, to make things 5%, 10% better or to take away some of the, the most aggravating tasks from a clinician. But how can we actually create the tools that are required to be able to redesign the models of care in a way that actually is works for the organization, but also works for a, for a patient. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's so important to mention that it's not one at the expense of the other. It's not at the clinician's expense. It is absolutely in harmony with, and we hope to be able to help patients access care and have a better experience at the same time, and maybe as a result of improving the workflow for clinicians. And it's its its own kind of moving target at times, and yet maybe that is what the sum of all of this is. It's improving this task here, this workflow here, making this part more efficient so that it is removing some of those tasks. If we're at the ultimate goal of reducing some friction for everyone involved, that does seem to get us to a better place. And I've just seen how much effort gets put into that. So sometimes that doesn't mean that it's as quickly, it doesn't come as quickly as we'd like it to. And not everyone understands the value of it, but we're almost always, so far from what I've observed, still in a better place as we try to put any of these programs into practice, as we try to understand how to implement any technology related to or powered by AI, that we understand what it's all for, because it is so easy to get lost in the day-to-day, in the trenches, work that we're doing, putting out fires, helping it buy-in, trying to make the case. And there's just a lot to that. And so you know, I, I want to give credit where it's due for those who are involved in those efforts to either tell the story internally of what they're doing or helping stakeholders get involved and understand how this is making their life easier as well as educating patients ultimately of, hey, as a result of, of this new tool or you know whatever it is, this new service, this new care model that's powered by AI, here's what it's for. It's to ultimately help you access care in a different way. So I, I think that can always be part of the conversation that's going on internally, as well as when we look to, to the stakeholders who are involved. So, I mean, I mean is, is, is that fair to say in terms of like, like those are some of the considerations that we always need to keep in mind? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I have so much respect for, for people working on the, on the provider side who are making these changes whilst, whilst the plane is flying, right? It's a, it's a hard enough job as it is just to, to keep a service running and to, to meet all of the standards that are expected of you as a healthcare provider to then be also navigating the really complex world of, of health technology and AI and being able to, to work out what the right place to apply that is, have the, the, the kind of 
faith in it and the confidence to go and to put your neck out and be the person who says, okay, I'm going to lead this program and, and make it happen. And then ultimately to, to be able to scale it from there and, and get the real benefits from it. It's, it takes real skill, but also real like commitment and drive to make it happen. So yeah, uh, props to, to everyone who's, who's out there pushing the boundaries with it. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. As more and more AI based health solutions enter the market, how do we know what they're all about and where do we turn to for support to even understand what's possible here? It really is difficult to follow the market at the moment. Everything does move so quickly that even even at Informatica, where obviously we have our tech radar and we're, we're constantly checking what's going on and what the latest developments are, sometimes it, you just have to to tune out from it and, and let a few things pass by because it's, it is so fast and furious. I think the key is to to look for trusted partners to work with and to really check out what the the track record of success is. So how many times have they actually successfully implemented with organizations like yours? Who will they be able to understand what the the real challenges are when it actually comes to implementation and and getting the, the value from it? But also being able to use some of the things that already exist in the market as a guide. So I've mentioned a few times like medical device status. And I think it's a, a great benchmark for, for the maturity of a product and an organization because of what you need in order to be able to achieve that. And I think it's the really when you look at the number of players who have entered healthcare and health tech at some space and then left again, I think it's that level of standard, whether it be d- defined as like medical device status or just the, the expectations of healthcare organizations on behalf of their patients and providers, the bar is high, right? So that's a good way to test it out. I do think that every organization, whether you're building the solutions yourself or whether you're just going to be the, the buyer of it, Everyone needs to, to upskill in order to be able to ask the right questions. So I'm sure all everyone out there listening has a, a process in place for, for a procurement process, process for assessing new technology vendors, which is probably based around kind of licensing software. And people have got kind of comfortable with that, right? You, you ask your questions around security and HIPAA. You ask your questions around interoperability standards and availability and all of that kind of stuff. So what we need to discover next is what those those same questions are for the new kind of AI age uh, so that everyone can become informed buyers, but also the, the process of bringing on a new tool isn't so painful because everything's, everything's new and unknown. Um, so Informatica is, is definitely something we're thinking about. And I think over the course of the next few months, we're going to be, be sharing some more ideas here in terms of what healthcare organizations can do to level up and and make sure that they are able to be kind of active customers and good buyers and find the right solutions for them ultimately. Nice, our nice. API. Well, and then tell me about apply having an API many, first many approach to uh, care in the first so place. Really, like, can you describe what that means and, and what are the benefits um, of it? This is really one of the reasons why I joined Informatica. It's a uh, it's a great sign, I think, for in terms of how the technology is built to be able to have the discipline to to just present it as a, an API and allow then your customers to go and build their own solutions on top of it. So whilst we do sell white labeled UI products and or by patients themselves, uh, it could be in a chatbot or automated using voice. And ultimately, it's that kind of flexibility that allows the end customer to own the user experience, which I think is super important. Uh, So no one wants to adopt another tool. No one wants to have to download another app. Um, You want to, and as a a provider organization, you, you want to be able to own the user experience completely because 
the expectations of users and members has, has gone up so much, right? It's uh, they expect consumer level experiences from every element of their their lives, regardless of whether it's healthcare or or shopping online at Amazon. Um, so, so yeah, I think it, it gives flexibility. It gives you the ability to, to integrate it into your own workflows the way you want to, and ultimately to, to tailor it to, to your specific goal as an organization. Nice. I'll give you a final word here, Tim. Is there anything else you'd like to share that, that we haven't addressed yet? No, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to get your take on uh, on some of these topics, having obviously spoken to a whole bunch of folks in the industry, both from the the health system side, but also the vendor side. Like, where do you see the, the kind of the main challenges emerging or the, the, the key problems that we need to solve in terms of the, the topics we were talking about at the start around bias and, and ethical use of AI? You know, uh, one of the things that comes to mind is just the, the desire to have a lot of proof because it's moving so fast that we, we like to balance what we hear and sometimes we may even tune out a lot of the hype everything is so hyped right now that if yeah. I'm representing one of these technologies, I want to make sure I'm telling the story, even though I myself might know how groundbreaking it truly is and how transformative the technology can become. I want to make sure that I'm telling the story in a way that attracts those who are going to be implementing it day to day, if that makes sense. You know, you have to get the buy-in from the visionary and the organization, the evangelist for the technology that understands what it can do. And then you also have to reach, it's kind of like a sub story. <laughs> you have to be able to tell this other related story of, okay, hey, the whoever on the clinical team is going to be implementing this or using it day to day, this isn't going to make your life harder. There's going to be some training there. There's going to be something that changes and we as humans don't like change. So there's a bit of a change management process, I feel like, that that we just don't want to forget when we're talking about implementing any new solution here. So I mean that's the piece that comes to mind, you know, having been provider side, having been uh, in those trenches day to day myself, that's that's where my mind and heart goes in terms of I'm rooting for the success and the advancement and the transformation that is coming, that's happening, actually. It's not even just coming, it's happening right now. So I'm rooting for it. I like to see that, but then I also want to see it come faster. And if that means we just need to make sure we, we communicate it in the right way, then I guess that's where my mind went there. So yeah, love it. Love it. Uh, having that question turned on me a little bit and uh, give, me, give me a chance to think about it. Yeah. So I think uh, like I, it definitely resonates with me a lot what you said there. And I think the level, all of our most successful implementations are the ones where we really go deep with an organization and don't just provide the technology, but think about how to, to weave that into the workflow Think about the change management process, bring clinicians on board, give them a chance to to really dig into the tool and and understand it. And I think that's it's so important, like you said, because it's it's not just about having the kind of the visionary dream to, to be able to get it started, but actually how do you drive it right the way through to be adopted and become a core part of your your business model. So I think it's uh yeah, really, really resonated. Well, thanks so much. And, and thanks for helping us explore what's on trend today. That's actually a wrap for this episode. I want to thank my guest, Tim Price. To learn more about Informatica, you can find them at www.informatica.com. You can learn more about today's show on our program page on healthcarenowradio.com. And make sure you follow the show's hashtag TrendingNowHC and follow me on Twitter at Jared Piano. Until next time, if it's happening in healthcare and it's now, it's on Trending Now. 